Our subject this morning uh, is, of course, related to Shavuot. But at Shavuot, or the Festival of the First Fruits, we can talk about many different subjects. And in the Jewish culture, at Shavuot is also when the Torah was given, and the Festival of the Harvest. And we see also in the New Covenant that this is when God poured out His Spirit upon the congregation. And this is exactly when the congregation was first coming into place in the New Covenant. So there are many subjects we could actually speak about at Shavuot. But I felt this morning that the Lord wanted to share with you the words that Ruth had said to Naomi, the same words that we heard in the song earlier. And as Luann reminded us earlier, the story of Ruth is read in every single synagogue in Israel during the holiday of Shavuot. And this tradition started in uh, Babel in the 8th century. If we look at Ruth's family, we see that there was a family that had money. And during the time that there was a hunger in the land, they were able to easily pick up and move uh, other places. And we see that in the story that we see that Elimelech, uh, the husband, was able to become a very integral part of the society there where they were at in Moab. And uh, both of his sons have uh, uh, wives, Orpah and Ruth. And a horrible tragedy has basically visited the whole family. It wasn't uh, bad enough that Elimelech, the husband of Nomi, died, but also a little bit later both of his sons as well. So we see in the story of Ruth that Nomi has seen and has heard that the Lord has visited his people in Bethlehem and has brought an end to the hunger and she has decided to come to Bethlehem. She's decided to come and start a new life. She goes and she uh, thanks her daughter-in-laws that they were with her at this time. And we see in this picture three widows full of pain, full of suffering, mourning. And if you even read the story, you see that with Orpah, she wasn't exactly somebody that was fun to be around. She was one that was full of bitterness, full of anger. Um, he's kind of confused us. Okay, first he spoke Orpah, but he really meant Naomi. So he meant Naomi was the one that was full of bitterness, and she even said, don't call me by Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. So she says to her daughter-in-laws, please go back to your own country. Um, you know, there's, I have no more son-in-laws to give you, no more children to give you. You have no future with me. So we see in the story that Orpah, even though she cried and she was, uh, it was hard on her at this time, she decided to go back to her people. 
But Ruth did not give up. says that she clung to Naomi. And even then she said the, the famous words that we see as the commitment uh, of Ruth to Naomi. And the words that she spoke was actually in the culture of the Judaism. It's a culture of one that was going through a conversion, a conversion to Judaism or conversion to the God of Israel. And the, the way that we go about conversion in Israel nowadays is completely different than the way it happened then. And the things that she said, that she was going to cling uh, to the God of Israel and to the people of Israel, this is something so special and wonderful about her character. I see that the words of Ruth are not just a matter of type of conversion, but it is a type of covenant with the God of Israel and the people of Israel. I'd like to read from Deuteronomy 23. We're going to look at uh, some background. Deuteronomy 23. And we're going to look into this uh, middle of this chapter. He hasn't given us a verse yet. Verses 4 to 7. Verse 3 in English. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam the son of Beor and Pithor of Mesopotamia to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. You shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever. In this passage, we see the distance between the Moabite people and the children of Israel. In reality, there was actually a curse against the people of Moab. That there would be no connection between the people of Moab and the people of Israel. Not to do good to them and not even to say hello to them. What kind of history? A hard history for the people. And Ruth, with all of this history, she decides to completely come under the God of Israel. Even with all of this history, she decides to connect herself to the God of Israel with the knowledge that once she comes into the land of Israel, she knows that this is what is waiting for her. Orpah left, but Ruth clung to. The word that uh, we're using here comes from a word that we also use in Hebrew, means glue, means to be completely stuck to. Once I took super glue, Danny tells the story, and I accidentally glued my two fingers together, and I almost couldn't get them apart. <laughs> 
And one of the things with this uh, commercial for the super glue is that they put super glue on the shoes of a person and they put him up to the ceiling. And he stuck to the ceiling. He was upside down on the ceiling and stuck to the ceiling and he never fell off the ceiling. And I believe that this type of glue was something that was in Ruth. She decided to stay. Uh, even with everything that Nomi tried to convince her with, even with the knowledge that her good friend Orpa left, she stayed. Ruth could have gone back to her people, start a new life. Maybe her relatives could have helped her. She knew the language, she knew the culture. Of course, it would have been easier for her to go back to Moab. But in everything, she clung to and stuck with the fact that she will go with Naomi. And what did Naomi offer to her? Nothing. Or maybe even more proper, she could really offer unto her maybe a life of poverty. Maybe there would be nights that it would be cold. Maybe there would be nights that they would go to bed hungry. She had no promises for her. She couldn't offer her anything. But in spite of everything, she stayed. Ruth stayed. I will be with you till the end, she says. And this commitment and loyalty of Ruth, I can explain it in one word. And this would be described as the love of Ruth to Naomi, the love. I'm really, sometimes I think and wonder about how such a special type of love could happen between a daughter-in-law and the mother-in-law. Most of the things that I know is that there's a lot of disagreements between the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law. And I see some of you smiling. But there was love between the two. Ruth loved Naomi. When I thought about this love, I saw three things in this story. And one of the things I saw was that it was a love that is at all times and a love that is, in, is at all situations. Let's go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. Wonderful promise that we have here. Jeremiah 31. We're going to only read one verse, even though we could probably speak about the whole chapter. And we'll see what is written in verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I see in this the type of love that God has for all of us. An everlasting love. An eternity love. It's not a love that is uh, conditional upon the weather. And I remember the story when I was much younger. I had a girlfriend. This is Danny speaking. And we thought that we loved each other very much. Until one day she came to Danny. And she says to Danny, 
And she says, you know, I, I don't really love you anymore like I loved you at the beginning. And Danny looks at her and says, and I didn't exactly understand what you said, Danny says to her. What did I do? I didn't do anything wrong or bad. And after the Lord revealed his love to me, then I knew exactly how this happened and why this happened. And the love that we have on the earth between each other is so different than the love that God has. And the love that we have here on the earth is usually a, a love that is built on feelings. And that today maybe we feel full of love and the next day maybe we don't have any at all. This is not true love. I would say that this is fake love. But true love, true love has a commitment involved into it that I'm with you till the end. You know, it hurts me to know about the uh, type of percentage, the high percentage that we have in our country and around the world of divorce because there is no commitment. And the true love of God has a commitment with it. And even in this verse, we see that he says it's an everlasting love. A love that is in all seasons, even if it's hard. Even if you leave me. Even if you choose to serve idols. I still love you. This is what God says. Of course, there is results from the sin that we have done. But this does not take the place of the love that God has for us. And this morning, I want you to know that God says he loves each and every one of us. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far away you are from him. He still loves you. He still loves you. Let's go to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In all times, a, bro a friend loves. I'm looking at the, I looked at the definitions of Ruth and Orpah, and it's always true that you can look and see the definitions of, of the meanings of the words of these, these women's names. The definition of the word root means friend, close, a friend. And Orpah comes from the word Oref, which is like the back of your neck. Many times that we see in the word of the Lord that he speaks about the children of Israel being a stiff-necked people. And so we see the, the story of Ruth and Orpah. Even though Orpah cried, she turned her back and, and turned her neck back and she left Naomi. She left completely. But Ruth, the friend, the closeness, the close friend, she went with, with Naomi and she was not willing to leave her.
because at all seasons a friend loves even when it's hard and even maybe when your wife is pregnant and she says things that are not so sweet Danny's going to tell a story it's not exactly about uh, Danny and Luann I think What's it? and uh, he tells a different story about a woman when she was ready to give birth she grabbed her husband and grabbed her husband really hard and said when she was ready to give birth you will never touch me again because she was so f- nervous and so full of of uh, pain but he continued to love her because he knew that a friend loves at all times even in the hard times there is love it's not according to the way we feel it's according to our commitment I'm with you I'm with you till the end if we go to Proverbs 18 1824 1824 a man who has friends must himself be friendly but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother one who sticks closer than a brother praise God for our brothers and sisters that we have in the flesh I have a brother I love him and he loves me I'm sure of it but uh, Danny's brother lives far away in Jerusalem and uh, sometimes I see him just on the holidays but there are friends in my life I know that no matter what the situation no matter what the problem they will love me and they will come to help me one who loves you he will be one that is stuck with you cling to you he will not leave you in the time of trouble he will go with you he will help you he will give of himself to you and he will always be there for you and Ruth Ruth was with Naomi even when it was hard even when there was nothing completely promised to her she showed her love to Naomi a love of all times and all seasons in every relationship the relationship needs to be built on a healthy love if there's no love then if there's no healthy love then this type of relationship will not continue I want to speak about the second part that I saw in the commitment of Ruth love that is giving sometimes it's so wonderful for me to see a, a couple that is in love and they buy gifts one for another and uh, they'll work really hard they'll save their money so they can go looking and maybe they're going to go out and they're going to look for the best gift the, the perfect gift that their husband or their wife likes and so I see this in, in some of the married couples I see that some of you have lost this type of fire to give to one another maybe it was at the beginning but now maybe you're uh, more grown up you've been with each other for a while but Danny wants to encourage all of us to continue with this 
to love one another like this. And if your husband might be a fisherman like Danny, then he knows exactly what you could buy. And if your wife loves certain perfume, then you know what kind of perfume to buy. But bless each other. Because in love, there is giving. Ruth could not offer anything to Naomi. But one of the things that she could give her was her life, saying, I am with you. And I will give you everything that I have, everything that I am. When we read in First Samuel of the covenant between Jonathan and David, and when young David took up a covenant with Jonathan, there was such a strong love between them. And it says that they cut a covenant between them, First Samuel 18. Verses 3 and 4. And in this covenant, what did they do? It says that Jonathan took off his robe that was on it and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And this was a, a symbol of the covenant between them. That he says to David, David, I will protect you. I will be with you in trouble. I will help you in each time that you need it. They cut a covenant between them. And if you continue with the story, you also see that Jonathan also had pain and suffering because of this covenant. One of the things that we know is that Jonathan saw something in David that he knew that David would be the next king of Israel. But in each, each opportunity, he, he never was jealous, even though he was the son of the king. And that maybe one day he would have taken the kingdom. He loved David. And he was willing to give up his rule or his reign. Love like this that is giving. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. A verse that's very special. Many times that we read this verse when we get ready to give of our tithes and our offerings. Verses 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. On the holiday of Shavuot, the children of Israel brought in their first fruits to God. And the agricultural farmer would maybe go to his fields or to his vines. And when he saw his first cluster of grapes, he would mark it somehow. He, he would say to himself, this is the first fruit. The first lamb, maybe, that was born. This would be marked as the first fruit, the giving unto the Lord. And then when it came the time that they would go up to Jerusalem, like God had told them to go up to Jerusalem, they would take all of their first fruits. They would bring it to the temple. 
and they would give it unto the Lord. This is what God has commanded the children of Israel. So do we say God needs these grapes? Does he need this lamb? Does he need wheat? He, he doesn't need these things. But what he tried to do is to teach the children of Israel a very important lesson. That he always, always, that he would receive the best of everything and the first of everything. He, you weren't allowed to bring those grapes that were not any good, that were maybe sour or weren't completely full. You brought him the first fruit. You brought him the best. And God was not willing to give up on this. Bring first to the Lord your first fruits. We know that in, here in the congregation we teach God gives us 100% and we bring it to him 10%. And the first thing you do when you receive a gift, a wonderful blessing from the Lord, if it's with your paycheck or with anything else, he's the first. Usually when you receive your paycheck, you get with it the, the pay wage paper that says exactly what you've paid out for taxes, for national insurance, for health. Do you know what the first thing should really be up there? Your tithe as unto the Lord. Amen. Your first fruit should be your tithe as unto the Lord. I believe that many of you are not realizing the blessing of the Lord because of this first fruit blessing. Because he promises, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In order to do this, you have to have faith. When you give this money or this fruit, for sure you can use this in some other area that might even, what you feel be more important. But the moment that you give it unto the Lord, he sees it. He sees the sacrifice. You have given the first fruit to God. And he decides to bless. Amen. He decides to open up the windows of heaven and pour down a blessing on us that we cannot contain. And this shows our love between us and our God. If you don't give him the first fruit, then something is wrong with your relationship between you and God. There's something crooked and not right and not direct between you and God. Because in love, there is giving. You give the best. Let's go to the New Covenant. John 15. John 15 in the New Covenant. And the third part I want to speak about is love unto death. Ruth says to Naomi, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried to death. The highest point of love is when you're willing to give your life so another may live. 
Here we see that Yeshua is speaking and John has written these words down in verse 13. Verses 12 and 13, John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this, than that one is laid down his life for his friends. There is no greater love. Bill Gates can will to you every single penny that he has from his will. And it will not even come close to the type of love, of this type of love, that a person would give his life for you. A few years ago, there was a, a tragedy that happened here in Israel. There was a soldier that was um, abducted by terrorists. And some of you might remember his name, Nachshon Vaxman. And they hid him in a, an apartment in the one of the area of the territories. And uh, the special services were able to realize where this soldier was at. There was a special unit that tried to break into this house and to rescue the soldier. And in this instance it was an officer who was leading his men and he was the first one to go in and he was wounded and he died and also Nachshon Vaxman also passed away died but I thought about the same officer he knew that there was somebody inside that he needed to save him to rescue him then he knew the chances of going in and rescuing this soldier. But in any case, he went in. He gave his life. For me, there's no greater love than this, that a man would give his life for you and for me. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. Messiah died for us even while we were still sinning. I can imagine maybe for somebody good that Messiah would give his life for him, for somebody a good person. It's hard for me to believe that God would give his life for somebody who hates him, who rejects him, who pushes him away. But this is exactly what Messiah Yeshua did for each one of us. He didn't wait. He didn't say that after you believe in me, after you change your evil ways, then I will receive you. No. He went and he died even while we were still sinners. This is the love of God for each one of us. 
listen, in this love, there is forgiveness, there's life, there's hope, there's commitment that I know that Yeshua is always with me, that He always loves me. And it doesn't matter what type of situation I'm in. He's always near me. I want to close with a story. I heard this story. Danny's heard the story a few days ago. True story. Uh, one of the pastors spoke uh, to his congregation. And uh, at the end of the meeting, many of the people in the congregational audience uh, came and gave their life to the Lord. He spoke about forgiveness of Messiah. He spoke about the atonement that was given through Messiah, Yeshua. And at the end of the meeting, one man came up to him. This man said, I want you to come to my house. I have some questions for you. So this same uh, teacher, pastor, felt in his heart that he should go and be with this man, and he went to his house. The same man closed the door and locked the door. He closed all the curtains in the house. Then he brought a gun. And this same pastor or teacher started to feel frightened, not comfortable. And the man with the gun said, don't be afraid, I just want to speak with you a few questions. And he says to the, this man with the gun says to the, to the teacher, he says, this gun was used to kill two friends by my friend and was used to kill another person by me. Is it possible that this Yeshua the one that you spoke about, that he can forgive me. The pastor looked at him and said, yes, he can forgive you. There was quiet. I have another question he says for you. I am a drug dealer and people come to this house to buy drugs. And there were mothers that came, even with their babies in their arms, that came to me. And they would say, please do not sell drugs to my husband. We have no food in the house. And I would just look at them and kind of push them out. He looks at the same preacher, teacher, and he says, is it possible that this same Yeshua can forgive me? And the teacher says, yes, Yeshua can forgive you for everything. He says, one more question. He says, when I drink, I come home to my house and I beat my wife. And one time my daughter tried to come between us. And uh, when she tried to come between us, um, I pushed her away, and in my pushing her, she hit the hot stove. And he says to the teacher, can he forgive me for this? And the same teacher looks at him and 
holds him by the shoulder and says, yes, he can forgive you for everything. He says, yes, and he let him go. The same man went home. He went up to his room. And the same morning, his wife made him breakfast. And he sent, she sent the daughter up to bring him to eat. And the daughter was just shaking in fear and trembling when she goes up to him. And she says, Daddy, the breakfast is ready. He says, no, I'm not coming now. And that surprised her. And then the mother and the daughter went up to him. And they saw something different in him. And he started to ask forgiveness from them. He says, I was like Satan in this house. But something happened to me. Yeshua has come into my heart. And they went to a meeting that same evening. And three of them, all three of them gave their life to the Lord. And brothers and sisters, I tell you this story because of the love of God. That he loves each one of us here. Doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how we have failed. He loves us. Ruth was committed to Naomi unto death. But God is committed to us. He loves us and he's committed us to the end. And if we come to him and we open our hearts to him and if we allow his love to fill us, I'm telling you that this is the best thing that a person here on earth can experience.